This is MuggleCast, the Harry Potter podcast discussing everything about J.K. Rowling's wizarding world. This week's episode is sponsored by Blue Apron. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free, including free shipping, by going to blueapron.com slash MuggleCast. And by Mac Weldon, a daily wear clothing company for men. Mac Weldon will be the most comfortable socks, shirts, hoodies, and sweatpants you'll ever own. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code MUGGLE. New episodes of MuggleCast are made possible thanks to listeners like you. Please visit Patreon.com slash MuggleCast to support the show and help us grow. In exchange, you'll receive exclusive benefits, including an ad-free version of our podcast. Welcome to MuggleCast, episode 312. Um, Myself, Eric, and Gina are here this week. We are missing our fearless leader, Andrew Sims. He has decided to go off and vacation across the pond in the UK, and we uh, were missing him. It was very evident at the start of the show. Yeah. The, the show must go on, though. We're here. Hi, everybody. Yes. For the, for the millennial mis- listeners, he's taking a little vacation before he gets his teeth cleaned. Oh, (laughs) Uh, he's gallivanting around Europe, or as Micah said, the UK or London, the other side of the pond. There are so many names for it. I wonder Mm -hmm. why. Well, definitely something of note, and I know that he'll talk about it once he gets back, is that uh, he visited the studio tour very recently. I saw a nice photo posted on Facebook and uh, seems to enjoyed uh, himself. He was killing it on Snapchat. Uh, Gina messaged me and she was like, They were hey, so funny. <laughs> you gotta check this out. And uh, for those of you who don't have Andrew on Snapchat, don't worry because he literally tweeted every single one of his funniest snaps uh, directly to J.K. Rowling asking her if she thought they were funny. So uh, go over to at Sims on Twitter and just uh, you can find his snaps that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good he's having fun and that was his first time at the studio tour which is really cool. I also took a very long time to go and see it, uh, but managed to catch it in 2015, and you two have not been uh, yet. Is that right? That is correct. Correct. Okay, cool. They they do, uh, they are adding, of course, the new Forbidden Forest expansion area, um, which I'm sure we'll learn more about uh, because I'm sure Andrew saw it. Andrew just has a way of timing things. Yeah, he does. Yeah, not yeah, sure very how mysterious he does it, but, how that worked out. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's something uh, I've actually never been to London. Uh, never mind, never been to the studio tour. So, oh, that's right. I'm going to plan a trip to uh, London this year and going to make a point of of heading over to the studio tour. I've heard nothing but good things about it. So. Uh, and like I said, I know Andrew, uh, once he's back on our next episode, will definitely be sharing uh, some of his favorite moments uh, from his trip. I've got a favorite moment. It didn't occur on Andrew's trip to Europe, but uh, there's big, big news to lead off the show this week, which is that we have hit our second Patreon milestone, you guys. Woo! Yeah! Woo! If I had my uh, Andrew's soundboard, I would be playing uh, Casey and the Sunshine Band right now, Celebration. But we did it. Uh, we did it. 14 months after our Patreon started, uh, we've reached our, our, our top goal, which means that MuggleCast will, in fact, 
be going weekly. Wow. Talk about I a can't... throwback. Right? Yeah. <laughs> when was we need somebody to look it up. I, I probably should have done this before the show, but when was the last time <laughs> that we were actually producing um, weekly episodes of the show? It's, it's it, uh, I think according it was to twenty ten. According yeah, according to the, the post uh, on Patreon that Andrew wrote, because we know he does his research, he said five years. He said a little he said a little over five years. So it would have been like twenty twelve after all the movies were out on home video. And there was no more Potter. Wow. For a long time. Yeah. Um, so that was the last time we were weekly, though, which also seems like I think it was probably earlier than that, too. And maybe we had a spout of, you know, frequent episodes. But after our hiatus and when we, you know, ceased regular programming, it was a little iffy there. But the last year we've been recording monthly and bimonthly. And now we're finally at the point. Where we're able to deliver weekly MuggleCast again. It's it's super exciting, mm-hmm. uh, and we want to thank each and every one of our patrons who contributed to that, uh, making it a reality, allowing us to spend more time on the production side and doing more of these episodes. I just it does really take me back. We're gonna be talking about being taken back a little later in the show too, um, to the beginning uh, where it all started for us and all of that, but. But it really takes me back, and uh, I'm really excited for the prospect of, of weekly MuggleCast again. So we hope you are all as well. Yeah. I, I would just echo what you said in terms of thanking uh, all the patrons out there uh, who are supporting the show. Uh, you are the reason why now. Uh, we will be going back to doing weekly episodes uh, starting in April. And uh, I don't know. We're going to have to get used to this again. I've been weekly episodes. This is... Uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a little different. No, we're 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 definitely excited. We're looking forward to it, and uh, you can expect to see us back weekly, uh, starting in April, and uh, we'll be planning some some really cool discussions and and other things for the show. Um, it's definitely gonna be different doing it uh, four times a month, uh, and so um, you know we're definitely gonna be reaching out to all of you to get your input, to get your ideas on different things uh, that we can talk about. Yeah, actually, I'm making a note to myself at the end to plug our email address, Ooh. and we'll talk about that more at the at the end. We have uh, a couple new stories here to talk about at the top, and the first story, I think, is one that uh, you know we, we all have our own personal feelings on. It occurred uh, just over about a week and a half ago at this point, at the Oscars, and finally, Fantastic Beasts earned the Potter franchise's first ever Academy Award. Oh my gosh. I was so excited. So as I tweeted, or tweeted, (laughs) texted to (laughs) Andrew, um, because I I didn't want to put it out publicly because I thought it would elicit backlash uh, but I feel comfortable saying it in the context of this podcast is see what happens when you finally move it to the United States. You win an award. <gasps> oh, snap. Micah. I'm not saying I... that that's how I feel. I'm just saying that <laughs> that's. It probably is a little true because it won a ton of BAFTAs. But mm. the, the Potter series won. Always does. A ton of BAFTAs. Yeah. But never won or was nominated for squat mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And I would just say I'm 
100% joking when I say that. Please do not send emails to the address <laughs> that Eric is going to mention at the end of the show. But I, um, but I kind of agree with you. In, no, in it's, all it's true. Real, in all reality. Oh, okay. So maybe <laughs> maybe that, it is a good point. I don't know. Uh, but, I, yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of talk. Uh, Academy Awards, obviously there's a lot of controversy every year and this year and especially last year too about the Academy Awards. But I think there is an in, in, inherent or implicit bias uh, against Harry Potter, and we've talked about this uh, in the past when we've done Oscars, uh, you know, coverage on MuggleCast about how they, they just don't. I mean, I, I, it's always kind of been kept at arm's length, unfortunately. Um, you know, in Lord of the Rings, Return of the King is pretty much the only film that really broke through, that you know, from the fantasy genre to even get any Academy Awards, let alone all like the dozen or so that it got. But Harry Potter had always been, you know, kept at arm's length. So I, I think that th this was a big moment, um, but I, I think it's not a coincidence that this film is set in America and all of a sudden it wins. Well, yeah. Star Wars has won some Oscars, mostly for mm. production. I honestly felt if Potter was going to win for anything, po Potter, not Fantastic Beasts, it would have won for music. And it never did. I always thought that that would be the one. But I'm excited for Fantastic Beasts. I hope that this leads to more for them. So they were nominated uh, in two categories this year at the Oscars. Best Costume Design, for which they won. Uh, Colleen Atwood uh, accepted the award. And then also in Best Production Design, uh, which mm. they lost in that category. But... One of the things I thought was interesting about the acceptance of the award was that uh, Colleen didn't seem very prepared. <laughs> and not only was she not prepared, she didn't thank J.K. Rowling. Yeah, I'm laughing because I'm actually crying inside. I did uh, note she didn't take. She did not thank. She. It's actually, if you watch this acceptance video, I feel comfortable calling it a train wreck. Um, like it's, it's awful. It's really bad. Like because, because she is just so unprepared and she comes up to the stage and, and is just spends five seconds being bewildered and blinking. And it, and it's a little bit different than the typical like starry eyed. I'm a very young actor or actress unfamiliar with how this all works. And I can't believe I've been right. She just was, was completely confident that she was not going to win. And I, it really, to me, the speech that eventually stumbled out uh, was was quite at at opposite with how I was feeling for Harry Potter. Um, the fact that she, you know, didn't thank J.K. Rowling uh, was really just just one symptom of of many. Like she she did not prepare a speech, even in the complete offset, like chance, random chance that Harry won. And for that, I actually I think it's fair to blame her um, because if you're nominated you should probably think about maybe drafting some kind of speech to make sure that you do thank somebody like J.K. Rowling who made all of this possible. I think that's all fair. I don't know. I give her leeway because I don't care how many Oscars you've won. It's probably a bit jarring to hear your name called. But, I mean, come on. You need to thank the person that is responsible for writing the story no. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I agree. She should have thanked Joe, but her stumbling through the rest of it doesn't bother me. I expect that. Yeah. Well, 
Maybe next time, when Fantastic Beasts wins another Oscar. Oh, wait, it's going to Paris next year, so maybe it won't. <laughs> the, the costumes will be even more intricate. Yep. Well, speaking of Fantastic Beasts, uh, it is not only going to Paris, it is coming to home video. And uh, the digital copy of Fantastic Beasts was released on March 7th, which is actually yesterday, uh, as we are recording on Wednesday. Uh, I, I got an email about this, so I was aware of the fact that it was released, and the Blu-ray version of Fantastic Beasts will be released later this month on I believe it's March 28th. So we have a lot to look forward to in that respect because there'll be deleted scenes to talk about. We can jump back into the movie, take another watch through through for Gina. We can take a look at that uh, scene between Graves and Credence Please. in the alleyway and see if it in fact does sound at times yeah. uh, like Johnny Depp. Oh. I think that I never got a chance to say this, but I thought that was an amazing catch by you. And I think it deserves way more credit than it was given. Thank um, you. Please. Because <laughs> I, I, I'm sure I'm sure it really did happen. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm sure that it did happen. If you get the digital copy or if, if you wait like myself until the 28th to get the physical copy, please go to that scene and listen to it. Because I, I feel in the depth of my soul that I'm correct. And I want other people to to know or to uh, not agree with me, but like... Accept the, poss- accept open their the minds possibility. To the, that- open their mind. <laughs> open your eye to the possibility. I, Actually, you have you have some support among our patrons. Uh, Katie Hiley... Um, on 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 our patron feed who does who did get the digital copy by the way um is uh says that that he does sound like him in in at least one of the lines so um i think there's something there i will i will view it for myself and make my own decision uh in three weeks when when we get the thing but i I think it is a cool catch it's a really exciting possibility and then also yesterday uh pottermore uh, released a clip uh in which you can watch cast members from Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Talk about uh, working with the Potter creative team. And so, you know, obviously we have so many uh, crew that have been around the Potter series for such a long period of time, like Mm -hmm. David Heyman, David Yates now, uh, with the number of films that he's directed, Stuart Craig, and, you know, the list just goes on. Um, It must have been uh, a cool experience uh, for a lot of these actors, you know, some of them very notable, though, uh, to come on set and to be able to work, uh, you know, with people who have been there for such a long period of time and have really been inside of, of this world and, and created this world, brought it to life um, in film. Yeah, this is a definitely a good uh, video to showcase, like, uh, production design. You know, the category it didn't win. Um, but I'm looking forward to all of the production aspect, like bonus features on the Fantastic Beasts Blu-ray. I hope there's, I hope there are dozens of them, to be honest. Um, Those are and this was favorite. just a short clip. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but to show how they continued to make the, the wizarding world real, and especially to set the tone of, or in the era of 1920s America is definitely an exciting story the question is how much will they share now and how much are they waiting for the uh you know five movie box set uh in in, in 2027 
yeah. uh, to, to the tell. illustrated edition. The illustrated <laughs> of the <Sorry>. movie <laughs> of the movie. <laughs> that's later. That's later in the show. Yeah. All my money. <laughs> uh, all of it. All of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I would say that uh, these clips are not uncommon to start to be released, uh, specifically prior to the release of the Blu-ray, uh, which, as mentioned, March twenty eighth. Uh, so I expect that we will see uh, probably a few other clips that will be released on, on Pottermore in the coming weeks. We did uh, have a few deleted scenes, and I don't know whether it was intentionally or unintentionally ended up online. I know that I do remember reading that I believe all the deleted scenes ended up online but were quickly removed. Mm. However, um, the one for the Rune Spore and the Demiguys – um, have stayed on. I watched the Rune Spore one. I didn't get a chance to catch the one with the Demi guys, but I figured, you know what? I saw him in the film, so I, you know I don't need <laughs> to really watch him in another scene. He's who he could have been in every scene. We would have never known. Am I right? Uh, I think he was in every scene. I think that's that, that's see? the yeah that's the secret Easter egg of, of yeah. Fantastic Beasts. The but movie. the the Rune Spore was really cool. I did. Oh yeah. Not... I didn't see the runesporn scene. Yeah, what what happens in the in the runesporn scene? You didn't. No. Oh my gosh, I'm looking at this picture. What is this animal? <laughs> I've never seen this animal before. And that's coming from me, kids. I've never seen this animal before. <laughs> so, this did not make the cut in Chicago. I don't think so. If it if it did, the animation was so rudimentary that I don't recognize it but um uh the dummy guy scene i do remember because i remember that sequence being really long um and kind of unnecessary uh, but gina according to according to katie uh it's uh when they're in the newt case um it's a three it's the three-headed snake in the newt case uh, yeah i can tell two, it's in the newt case yeah one of them has a cone on it like a i guess a cone of shame maybe um, a rehabilitation cone. Is that right, Micah? Do you remember? It's a cone of shame. No, I, I'm not um, up on my Fantastic Beasts. <laughs> but you saw you saw the clip, though. I did see the clip, yeah. Yeah, I, okay. It, he just good. kind of sneaks up on Jacob, and Jacob has absolutely no idea that it's there, and then he just keeps walking. It's kind of, it's it's conversation between Jacob and Newt as they're, as they're walking through the Newt case, and... Uh, Jacob is just completely oblivious as they're talking about snakes, actually. Uh, so uh, hey, it's, a cool, it's a cool scene of, a, of another beast that uh, didn't make it into the film. But, uh, you know, I, I think you could probably sit for quite a long period of time and, you know, try and figure out how many different beasts there were, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in those scenes that you know, just in passing. I mean, oh yeah. I'll have to watch that with sound later on. I mean, the um the the hummingbird thing, you guys know what I'm talking about when I say the hummingbird thing, right? Uh it's like the first one to escape, it gets out and it's never like directly addressed or given a name to in the film. I could be wrong. Maybe yes. Newt Maybe Newt mumbles it. Yes, it it's is. on the street and uh Tina sees it. Yes. Tina does like ask him what it, or whatever. I I don't think he ever gets that back. You mentioned Micah that the other uh, deleted scenes and stuff had been leaked online. I actually caught a seven minute um, 
like master clip on YouTube. It didn't have the Runespore scene um, or the Demiguide scene, but it had a number of other like extended scenes and, and things like that. There was one where it was an oh. alternate ending. Yeah, there was one where it was an alternate ending to the film, but it wasn't. It wasn't like um, uh, Credence getting on the boat or anything quite so exciting. It was just that the the hummingbird thing flies up from, I guess, street level, and it's just sort of an alternate end to the movie. You know how, like in um, in Disney openings, they have Tinkerbell come out and like mm-hmm. um, like do a thing. It was basically like that sort of an ending, but with the hummingbird. so basically, you're saying that we can expect this bird in in every movie i i I think it'd be opening and then pulling the curtain closed uh for the credits just like the old uh animation uh, cartoons i love it yeah yeah for for abc family's uh fantastic beast weekend oh freeform freeform sorry freeform is abc family completely gone yes it's gone it's gone okay all right freeform fine they divorced uh (laughs) they rebranded we mentioned that Andrew was over at the uh, studio tour in London, and actually today, the day that we're recording, uh, there was an official press opening uh, for the new Forbidden Forest expansion at the studio tour. Uh, Jason Isaacs, Ivana Lynch, uh, James and Oliver Phelps were all there. Uh, there's some photos that have popped up online giving you a little bit of a sneak peek uh, in terms of what you can expect inside this exhibit, but... I don't think too much to make of of it there, but knowing that uh, we're we're, I don't know if it's officially open yet. Is it? No. I, okay. When when is the so Andrew just missed the deadline or oh, they just man. missed the opening? I believe they had a a soft closed opening where only specific people went or were invited, an invitation okay. only. We'll have to ask him if he got in. Uh, um, well, Andrew like, Shirley would have been on that list. I mean, come on. Yeah, it's 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 always so nice to see them break out the red carpet and the Phelps twins show up and Evie Lynn shows up and Jason Isaacs, who was just cast in the new Star Trek TV series, by the way, he's going to be the captain. Uh, apparently, he had some free time to come down to the studio tour and pose next to some giant trees. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Um, very excited for this, but but yeah, yeah. I, it's the the studio tour. When you guys go, uh, you'll see there's there's a lot of opportunity in like the grand room before you get into the great hall, um, and the Hogwarts room, which I saw Andrew posted a picture of himself uh, in front of where they have the full scale like mo- uh, not full, not two scale, but this full scale model of Hogwarts, which takes up a whole room, uh, and it's the one that it's it's the entire grounds of Hogwarts in one piece including, like, all the towers, the Owlery, Hagrid's Hut, all that stuff. Um, in that giant room, there's uh, they have, like, galas sometimes and, like, black tie affairs and stuff. So it's really cool. So it's it's built to, to stand the test of um, whatever the studio tour needs to, to put on uh, to have, which is a really smart way of doing things. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I know that... Um... This exhibit will be probably one of many. I mean, it, it seems like uh, these types of additions are just going to be continuous. And certainly with Fantastic Beasts, uh, there's even more opportunity to continue to add to the studio tour to not just make it specific to Potter, but to open it up to the entire Wizarding world. 
Yeah, they're gonna need to uh, do another building, I think, because uh, those were they they used they used the space extremely well. But um, with four more films on the horizon, I'd be very surprised if Leavesden didn't build another like entire uh, separate building that was for Fantastic Beasts. Uh, well, speaking of Fantastic Beasts, uh, a little bit more news on the audiobook front. We learned back in January that uh, Eddie Redmayne was going to be lending his voice uh, to the audiobook version of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. And yeah. uh, we got our first clip, I believe, uh, where he's going through the description of a basilisk. Ugh, snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? He still mumbles. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, Whoa! We have plenty more news to get to, so... Uh... <laughs> I think it's great. I think the sound's great. I love it. The audio quality is obviously top I'm so excited for it, but I know I'm, I should not be excited for it. I think it sounds great. Everyone should listen. Everyone who's listening should go check it out. Oh, um, I know for sure. MuggleNet had a clip. Yeah, make your own decision. <laughs> don't, yeah, don't listen to me. Absolutely go by this. He's still mumbling. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll play a few. I believe we played a clip. Didn't we play a clip of him? Yeah, I Not think last we, last he, uh, the last episode I was on, he did. You, yeah, there was a clip did. of him. Well, he was talking about the opportunity oh, of okay. narrating, right? Yeah, I think I think right. Yes, and he um, it was like a 10 second clip of him reading, oh. and it was a different passage from what we have now. Okay, this okay. is like a minute long clip of of the of the actual mm-hmm. basilisk uh, bio with like the star rating and all. This that. is the real deal, not the crap we played on. Yeah, two episodes yeah. Ago or whatever. Well, so. well, we can't, but we can't play it because Andrew's not. Here. But we can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're so technically deprived. So right thanks now. for going on vacation, Andrew. Ah, jeez. Well, we'll be we'll be back next time with all the capabilities of playing audio. All right. Eric, do you want to take the next couple of uh, news stories here? Yeah, sure. This one's uh, actually this one Gina put in the doc, um, but it's uh, world news, um, and it has to do with the cursed child. Gina, do you want to intro this? Uh, I I can't. I mean, the cursed child broke the Olivier Award nominations. They had eleven, which is, like I said, record breaking. Um. Uh, I didn't go through <laughs> through it all, um, but I feel like most of the main actors were nominated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so there was a video uh, that was released by the cast today, I believe. Oh. oh. I think it was on Twitter. I forget whose account it was, but it was basically a, a thank you video um, from the cast um given the the number of nominations that they received uh, for Cursed Child. They were uh they were nominated for outstanding achievement in music, choreography, one second I'm I'm scrolling really fast. Light design, Lighting. sound design, costume design, set design, best actor in a supporting role, best actress in a supporting role, best actor, Jamie Parker, best director, best new play. And also at the at this ceremony at this uh, this year's Olivier Awards, uh, Sir Kenneth Branagh, who played Gilderoy Lockhart, will be receiving a special award. Um, so that's the that's in one month uh, on Sunday, the 9th of April. Uh, for those of you who are tracking 
theater and uh, Cursed Child. It, it can it can only mean exciting for things. For the Brits out there, do they televise this like they televise our Tonys? I have no oh, idea. Uh, I have no idea. I'm not I They definitely don't televise it in America. So, if you are We have any British listeners. Yeah. yeah. If anyone's awake, <laughs> let us know. And on and on our Patreon stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe BBC America or something can get it. Maybe. Um but uh Okay, moving on real quickly. Uh, by the way, congrats to uh, Cursed Child cast and crew. It's very exciting. I look forward to seeing how many they awards they can take. And and speaking of awards, though, I know um, it's a little bit further down there, but uh, it ties in nicely that uh, Michael Gambon is going to be receiving a Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, yeah. And uh, I- I'm sure um, one of his standout scenes... Uh, will be from Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. They use that. We all know what scene we're talking reel. about. <laughs> the highlight reel. I think uh, the the thing that it's not quite clear um, because of how young we all were when you know Prisoner of Azkaban the movie came out. I think I was sixteen. Um, is just how much of an impact Michael Gammon made to British film long before, like when Harry Potter was. When that movie was not even a twinkle uh, in the eyes of Warner Brothers. So uh, it's important to note that Michael Gammon's extensive film career, which uh, began, according to IMDb, in 1965 with a version of Othello. Um, You know, he's done Shakespeare. He's done television, uh, The Borderers, Eyeless in Gaza, The Challengers, all sorts of stuff throughout the 60s, the 70s. The 80s, there's not a decade this man didn't work in. He's worked consistently since the 60s. Consistently. Um, So I know... He's keeping the unemployment rate. (laughs) He's keeping the percentage down. stealing work. I I am sure, even though this this panel of hosts is a poor uh, sample size representation of, you know, those who've seen and can appreciate his work, I have no doubt that that it's due. Um, you know, and that it's, and that, and that it's going to be, that it's earned, that it's an earned award for lifetime achievement. So it's, it's just impressive. I can't think of doing anything in for 50 years. Like I, I, I think I'm, I'm not going to be doing MuggleCast in 50 years. Don't say you say that, that now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I will be doing MuggleCast in 50 years, but still I haven't gotten there yet. And Gambon has. So, uh, congratulations, Sir Michael Gambon. Yep. Uh, so he will re, uh, receive the award about a month from now on April 8th and is being honored by the Irish Film and Television Academy. Yeah, so uh, as you said, uh, congrats to him. I know uh, you know, he, and he jumped in to fill a role. Let's not forget that, uh, yeah. which is never an easy thing to do. He did not originate the role of Dumbledore, as we all know. So uh, I think you know, despite certain events, uh, certain moments, I should say, in the series, uh, we should give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt at times, because Mm -hmm. I think that for a lot of people, uh, Richard Harris was that ideal, soft-spoken, charismatic Dumbledore. I know there are people out there who have criticisms of of his role uh, Mm -hmm. as well, but that Goblet of Fire moment will always stand out for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, me as well. Um, but uh, we do want to ask uh, listeners, tweet us, um, because the awards are the Lifetime Achievement Award hasn't happened yet, but just leading up, um, tweet at us, let us know what your favorite Gambon performances were, um, 
and you know we'll we'll be monitoring we'll retweet some um of uh of your favorite non-hairy michael gambit performances absolutely and uh final bit of news here is that jk rowling uh has apparently invented a brand new word yet again <laughs> yet again uh you know that feeling micah when you're trying to think of a word and you know what you you know what it means and you use other words to describe what it means to somebody but you're like hey what is that word uh you know that feeling yeah so uh, for me i mean right now i'm trying to think of a word that means something that can grow or shrink to fill the available space um you know maybe huh. within a bowl um yeah or like so, a new case yeah, possibly <laughs> Possibly, but <laughs> I, this all came about um, because of the Akami mm. in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The, this it's, it's like a snake-like creature almost, right? It was like the bird too, like snake a bird, bird. A bird, like yeah. A, no, you're like right. A, yeah, it had the beak and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm um, confusing it with um, the the, the rune spar from earlier, but yeah, it, it could basically expand and contract um, at at will and is able to fill up, um, you know, large spaces or small spaces. And JK Rowling went ahead and came up with a word for it, which apparently only Eddie Redmayne, uh, seems to be able to properly pronounce and may just be mumbling it. We have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the mumbling comes back. The word that JK Rowling, I mean, when you can't think of a word in your JK Rowling, you just invent it. Um, why not? I think it's probably got the proper roots. Uh, or coronaptixic, or coronaptixic. <laughs> now I'm screwing it up. What do you guys think it is? Cor, cor, she C-H- says it in the video. She's oh, she does say it in the video. I believe um, it's coronaptic. Cor, oh Christ, on a cracker. There's an X there where you wouldn't expect it. Coronap. Oh, I was so prepared mentally for this. Coronaptixic. There you go. Coronaptixic. Um, there you go. There's about five different <laughs> pronunciations in this article that we have here. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but no, it's cool. And it means the Akami. So that's what uh, they blurt out in the film when they're on, I guess, in motion talking about um, the Akami. But it's, it's just fun to note uh, because J.K. Rowling is, in fact, writing these films. So it, I, it, for me, this counts as canon, but also it's just an example of her continually, continuing to create in, in this world that we're so familiar with. So I thought it was worth the news. All right. Uh, so that's the news uh, for this episode. Um, we are going to quickly throw it over to Andrew. He is going to be working in this episode. Um, I'm going to throw it across the pond uh, to Andrew uh, to talk about Blue Apron. Hey everyone, it's Andrew jumping in from London where I'm far away from my kitchen, but I'm looking forward to getting home and getting back to cooking with Blue Apron. They are the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the USA. For less than $10 per person per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. What's on the menu this month? Vegetable chili and baked sweet potatoes with crispy tortilla strips and spicy shrimp coconut curry with cabbage and rice. Mm. One thing that's nice about Blue Apron is that you can schedule the meals to be delivered on your schedule. So, for example, since I'm away this week in London, I told Blue Apron, don't send me meals this week. Skip them. It's so easy to do on their website. It only takes a few seconds. 
You can also select the day that that week's meals will be delivered, and you can pick the three meals you want from a selection of six. So for example, one of the meals I'm getting once I'm back is a pork and cabbage tacos meal. It includes pineapple and pickled jalapeno salsa. It's going to be so good. I can't wait. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash mugglecast. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash mugglecast. Blue Apron is a better way to cook. All right. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, now it's time for us to uh, take a look back uh, mm. at um, some of your earliest Harry Potter memories. Uh, we asked this question over on patreon.com slash mugglecast and got, what did you say, uh, Eric? It was over it was 70. 60 responses, 70 responses, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, so we will be spreading these out, um, I think, really throughout the course of the year, You know, particularly with it being the, the 20th anniversary of, of Sorcerer's Stone. It's also the 10th anniversary of uh, Deathly Hallows. So... Mm. Um, it's always good to to take some time to look back. I know we always have these different stories uh, that we'll share um, on the podcast, but there's always great stories out there that, that you, the listeners, have. Um, and really, a lot of them are about how this community really just formed and came together and still uh, exists to this day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. So um, I think we should take turns reading these, but we're going to feature... Uh, the feedback that we received of earliest Harry Potter memories. Um, who wants to go first? I think Chad does. Chad, okay. <laughs> yeah, Chad no, Hopkins. Go for um, it, Eric. Okay. He says, When I was in second grade, circa 1999, there was another girl in my class who liked Harry Potter, but I didn't like her, so I avoided the series. I eventually got Sorcerer's Stone for Christmas that year, and I avoided it at first, but I picked it up after a week or so, and had it finished before my January 17th birthday. I liked it so much my grandmother, who bought me Sorcerer's Stone, bought me the next two. I've been hooked since. Wow, you're second grade in 1999? Uh, I know, Micah, I know. Damn, that makes me feel old. I, was in, <laughs> I think I was in sixth grade. Uh-huh. I, I uh, was in early eighth grade. Yeah, okay, so my math oh my. is right. I thought Chad was going to say he ended up like dating and marrying this girl. Who... I want to know where this girl is now. <laughs> Chad, you got to write in. <laughs> I, I chose this one because I love how like people can ruin stuff for you. But yeah. I'm glad that this didn't ruin it for you, Chad. I'm glad that she did not deter you. All right. Uh, Stephanie Cherick, hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, says uh, she was five years old and uh, her brother and I, well, not me, but... I should have read that the right way from the beginning. I was five years old, and my brother and I had snuggled up with my mom on the couch as he started reading Sorcerer's Stone to us for the first time. It'd be a couple years until I really got into the series on my own, uh, but that memory definitely has stayed fixed in my mind. That's great. I love Um, that. Yeah, uh, memories of being read uh, the books. I know even Andrew, I think, has said that his teacher... Um, I, I could be completely wrong, um, but uh, I definitely hear a lot. It's okay, how, he's not here, so yeah, I know. Make it up. I know, but yeah, a lot of people just say how their their teacher in school, you know, that would be the book uh, at story time or chapter today. They do a chapter at a time. 
and and read it. And I, I just hear that story often. But the way that J.K. Rowling's words come off of the lips of a teacher or parent, loved one, that sort of thing, is a really special moment that clearly uh, stays with you. So I have several teacher friends who have worked really hard to incorporate Potter into their curriculum and a lot of kind of fought against school boards to allow it and mm. I I that's one of my favorite things is when I hear either kids saying oh my teacher taught me this or I'm a teacher and um I I make sure to teach this to my kids um I have one friend who's got a little boy who's 10 and he's reading Harry Potter for the first time so Oh. It's it's cute seeing his reactions now. Uh, Gina, why don't you take uh, Helen's? Uh, going Helen Kaylee says, Going to see Chamber of Secrets at the cinema for one of my birthday parties. We arrived late, so the only seats at the front were free, and we, only, and we found the spiders very... Oh, I'm sorry. We all found the spiders close up scary, which <laughs> I would think that too. If I saw those so up close, I would... That would scare me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting to hear how you have uh, Helen, whose you know, really first exposure to the series came through the movies uh, as mm. opposed to the books. So like it's, it's good to get that mix because that was the case for me. And I think Eric also for you. Yep. yep. Uh, yeah, definitely. So and, and, I, and I think, you know, thinking back to 2001, 2002, um, when the first two films came out, uh, it was before a lot of theaters had like stadium seating, uh, you know, theaters nowadays, not a bad seat in the house. Even if you're in the front row, there's usually you can kind of deal a little bit better, I think, these days. Um, back then, who knows what the theater was like and, you know, just kind of it's 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 really funny to be to, to say that like the effects and creature stuff was like more terrifying because of how close you were. But uh, that's Helen's first memory. So it's really special. And now on to Sophia Gibson, uh, who says, When I was five or six, uh, she put the dates here, but I'll, I'll spare Micah feeling old. Uh, my mom played the audiobook for Thanks, Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah, well, you know, it was 2003, 2004. Uh, my mom played the audiobook for Sorcerer's Stone on cassette tape in the car while on a road trip. I remember listening to Harry celebrate Christmas with Ron and his trips to the Mirror of Erised. I wouldn't actually read the books until 2008. I think we still have those cassette tapes. I have, I have to imagine that uh, those would be pretty valuable now. If you have audiobooks on, on cassette, on cassette. Yeah. I, in my first car, which uh, wasn't until later in life, um, it didn't have a CD player. And it was from 2010, but it didn't have a CD player. It only had a cassette player. And I found the Sorcerer's Stone cassettes at a garage sale. And I purchased them because what? I only had a cassette player in my car. <laughs> yeah. If you need a Harry Potter fix and you're in your car, then there you go. But it's just, it's, it's so funny because I, th again, talking about how long ago this was, uh, just the digital, you know, conversion, the, the, the CDs becoming the primary form and then I guess digital audiobooks like through iTunes and, and that sort of thing is, now what most people do on e-readers and um, tablets, it's just changed so much. And I am fairly confident in saying that they stopped making Harry Potter books on cassette tapes. 
Uh, even the audiobooks on CD that took up as the books got longer, 30 CDs uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a case, it would have just been impossible to capture all of that audio on, on cassette. It would have been insane, super heavy. They would have needed like a Hogwarts school trunk just to like fit uh, book five on, on cassette tapes. Yeah, it just wouldn't have been, it, was, it stopped being practical. So I, I have to imagine that I'd be very surprised if uh, the dying format cassette uh, was carried through to, to the final Harry Potter book uh, only five or six years later. Um, so. All right. Uh, Una McAllister says, in 2000, when I was five, uh, <laughs> my parents were watching Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And one of the questions was, quote, in the children's book, Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, what is Quidditch? Uh, end quote. Uh, it bugged my dad that he didn't know, so he bought the first book, started reading it to me, and the rest, as they say, is history. I love this. I thought that was the most fascinating that's really first cool. story. I was like, I have to choose that one. I think that's the coolest first story I've ever heard. We had Gina choose these stories. She's impartial, <laughs> by the way, yes. everybody. Uh, um, so, Una, you owe your Harry Potter um, obsession to Regis Philbin. I'm assuming he was the host back uh, in 2000. Yeah, and and to your dad getting mad well, at to a your game dad, show, but really to yeah. Regis. Yeah, but 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 really, like whose dad wasn't like mad at a game show at some right? Like like three, but but that Una's father like decides to then read about it. It's just like I will overcome this temporary like upset here and actually find out what Quidditch is. And that that's kind of the thing with game shows too, right? You you watch them. Part of the entertainment is to is to see if the person you know is going to win, but then the other part is self education, right? I mean, you you watch Jeopardy so that you learn more stuff. Um, so it's just it's just fun to actually see an example of that having happened. We also heard uh, from Felicia who said, "I'm sure there are other memories from earlier, but I remember being in my dad's truck with my Lumos reading flashlight that I got at a book fair. I was reading Goblet of Fire and started crying when Cedric died. That made me so sad." The, the my friend's kid who I mentioned previously he's 10 years old and they're on book 4 but he won't finish it and he won't tell her why but I think we think it's because someone spoiled the ending for him and he doesn't want to read that the little that no. Cedric died so <laughs> I thought that was that's a big moment for kids like teenage younger that's a huge moment to read. It's a, it's a turning point. Yes. So. Series doesn't get happier from there on. Felicia, I think you're in the chat now, so I'm sorry. <laughs> um, do you want to read the last one, Gina? Yes. From Michael Vartanian. I was in the fourth grade. My aunt put Sorcerer's Stone into the gift bags at my cousin's birthday. I had never heard of Harry Potter before. It wasn't until the next year that everyone in my school was talking about it. I think it's just really cool that there was a mom out there who was like, I'm going to put books in the kids' goodie bags. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's cool. Will Michael's got a cool aunt. candy and maybe a little, like, gimmicky thing, tchotchke type thing. Yeah. Not a book. I got a Beanie Baby once. Not a book. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Still not a book. And and which one is, uh, is more useful to you? <laughs> Beanie Babies are... Harry Potter books. Harry Potter books, I would say. 
That's really cool. Still waiting for the value to come up on uh, beanie my babies. one beanie baby. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I would dare say that your aunt would be even cooler if uh, she would have put a copy of the illustrated edition of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban uh, into the uh, birthday gift bags. Yeah, it's quite possible they, but it's quite possible the kids wouldn't be able to carry it. I was just going to say that. <laughs> um, no, but uh, before we jump into that, I will say thanks to everybody uh, for sharing uh, those memories. We will continue uh, throughout the course of the year uh, to share more of them. And uh, I think there was a really great group. Thank you, Gina, for pulling those together. Different yeah. stories, things that I honestly would never even think of um, because my story is nowhere near as good as, as the ones that we read here today. Well, what's, what is your story, Micah? Your, your earliest Harry Potter memory? Earliest memory? Uh I just think it was uh, a friend of mine from high school uh, who one summer, um, you know, we were hanging out. um, We were back from college and she had just said, this is a series. These are books that I think that you would be interested in reading. Mm. And that's really the the earliest memory uh, that I have because I didn't read the series. Uh, I believe it was, it was the summer that, uh, I started doing this podcast or, or like the months prior to that was when I oh, started, wow. started reading the books. So, mm-hmm. um, and it just happened that half blood Prince was going to be released as I was right. finishing up with, um, you know, the first five books. So yeah. it worked, it worked out well. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's probably the, the earliest memory, um, I'm trying to think. I, I may have seen a couple of the movies. I, I really, honestly, don't remember. Uh, I've, I've probably watched a few of them um, when I was in college. Yeah, the early ones. So, mm-hmm. see, like I said, nowhere near as interesting as being hey, hey, the cool I, fourth grader that gets, uh, you know, a copy of Sorcerer's Stone in your um, gift bag at a at a birthday party. There are common threads, I think, all around, which is uh, the the personal element. You had a friend reach out. Uh, this person, you know, Michael had had his aunt reach out. Chad had a girl he didn't like uh, who didn't reach out. But never mind. Uh, I guess <laughs> I guess that's where the thread stops. We're still uh, going to find out that you know they're happily married. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gina, what uh, do you have? A early earliest Harry Potter story. My first memory is my mom bringing the book home. See, there you go. Um, thread. She brought it. She said a coworker's daughter loved it, and she knew I liked to read, so. She brought it home after work. I went to read before dinner, and that was that. Did you show up for dinner? I did show up for dinner. <laughs> I, I felt like I was, I feel like I kind of came down in a daze because I was like, I don't know where I just was, but it was awesome. <laughs> nice. All right. Um, well, we mentioned the illustrated edition of Prisoner of Azkaban, and, uh, as we were planning this show, uh, in in all candidness, we were, we were really kind of thinking about what could we possibly discuss this week. And then there it was, out of the blue, uh, a tweet on, was it Tuesday morning, 
um, from from Barnes and Noble. Uh, I know they didn't officially release it, but they they included us in the tweet, so they're getting the credit. Sorry, Scholastic <laughs> Bloomsbury. Sorry, Pottermore. <laughs> Barnes and Noble's getting the credit, um, and uh, Ramey actually retweeted our ask for. Uh, listeners to send in their thoughts on the cover. Oh, nice. So I thought that was nice of them. So thanks for the signal boost, BN. Yeah, thank you uh, to uh, to Barnes and Noble. And uh, yeah, so t- so Tuesday morning we got the the official cover uh, for uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the illustrated edition. And before we kind of get into some of the details, I'm interested to get your initial thoughts. Before, you know, in 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 relation even to um, the first two that we have already, looking solely at the cover. Yeah, um, I I am a proud owner of the first two illustrated uh, books, and they are, and I'm sure Gina is too. They're beautiful. Yes, I own them both, and I I do love them both. This one, um, it's a different turn. I uh, I I'm not too fond of Ernie I do I feel like someone else mentioned this in the comments on the post or maybe I read it somewhere I don't love that Ernie looks like Dumbledore like he looks like Dumbledore he's got Uh, the half moon glasses he's dressed in purple he's got a long beard maybe Dumbledore is driving the the night bus (laughs) which that's fine if Dumbledore is but don't call him Ernie Um, yeah okay you know what actually I completely see it <laughs> uh, where I didn't even notice that, but now I completely see it. Yeah, we um, we did have a, a couple of people uh, tweet at us. Uh, one who said, uh, "Cassandra on Twitter, why is Santa driving?" <laughs> <laughs> this is what he drives in the off season when he's not with his sleigh. Mm. And then um, Gina, to your point, uh, Amy Hill. I think the colors are stunning, but Ernie looks a little too much like Dumbledore for my liking. Still super excited. That must have been the comment I I read. This I apologize for not the... crediting you. I, I yeah. really apologize. No, this no. is just the style. <laughs> this is just the fashion, you guys. I don't I don't know what you guys are talking about. Maybe after uh, a certain age you have to have a long beard. Yeah, yeah. There's no I mean this is a, a, a I think let's talk about all the amazing things that's in the, the, the every other part of this uh, illustration. <laughs> um, I I love this cover. I think it's great. Um, the night bus is obviously such a good like symbol for everything that happens in Prisoner of Azkaban. The world is is expanding. Things are happening in in a rush. Harry isn't completely in control of his fate. Um, I was actually looking for the dog. Oh my gosh. Uh, I just noticed this, and I don't know if this is the dog you're talking about, but there looks like there's a teddy bear on the grill. Yeah, yeah. What? Was that in the book? I'm trying to remember how much. It's up to Jim K. It's all in his imagination. There's also there's also uh, product placement, right? There's ads, just like a regular bus would have. Um, There's a Birdie Bots ad, a Skelligro ad. Um, I'm pretty sure at least. At least the writing anywhere and everywhere except underwater, that's definitely in the book. That, yeah. That that's is in definitely the in the book. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't love the advertisements, but I get it. Like, I think that is a cool addition for, um, for the, the animated version. 
but I, mm. I don't like that's not how I pictured it in my head. I liked originally how it was like a clean the outside was a clean bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a gleaming it, Yeah. Yeah. But I do I do like that nuance. <laughs> Just uh, just in terms of this, the color scheme, the blue, purple, it's very purpley. I know I'm not talking about the bus. Of course, the bus is purple. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, <laughs> the in general, the cover, um, it, and again, it, it it's accurate because it is nighttime. Um, but I actually just like the, the deepness, the depth, I should say, of the blues and the purples. Um, even the lights, uh, the bright lights are purple. The purple and, and blues uh, have nice hues. It goes well with with the green. The green stands out then. The green of the title. Uh, yeah. Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Well, and and yeah, there was an article posted on Pottermore uh, that talked a lot about um, the the cover and then some uh, select images as well uh, that they released uh, from the book. Uh, but to your point, Eric, it says the third book, um, as we know, uh, it marks a notable change in tone towards darker territory as well as the introduction of key characters like Sirius Black and uh, Professor Trelawney. So uh, I think that that's reflected that darker tone, uh, particularly on the cover. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I did want to compare uh, how many illustrations uh, were in this book with previous uh, illustrations because we do know uh, that there's 115 illustrations at by the numbers, being, brought to you by, by Eric Skull. By the numbers. This would be a new segment. Now that we're going weekly, we need new segments. Um, by the numbers. 115 in Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm actually still looking for Chamber of Secrets if somebody else can help me out. Um, but the Sorcerer's Stone slash Philosopher's Stone, uh, the description on Amazon says over 100 stunning illustrations. So I'm guessing that it's been just about the same amount uh, as previous books, we do expect that to dramatically increase um, as the size of the books do. But books one through three are roughly the same length without illustrations, so it makes sense that he'd be having about the same amount of illustrations uh, in yep. in this edition. And would definitely encourage people to head over to uh, Pottermore and check out some of these other images. Uh, they have a nighttime uh, shot of. London uh, with the night bus uh, kind of driving over a bridge. Uh, they do have a picture of Professor Snape. Yeah. And, and it may be sort of the first profile picture. And then <laughs> looks like the trio, or maybe it's just um, the uh, several kids sitting on a wall. Oh. I don't know if that's Hogsmeade or if it's Hogwarts. I think, it is high. I think it's Hogsmeade. Yeah. So, uh, and then what looks to be our first uh picture of Azkaban has a very kind of I don't know it, it almost looks to me like like there are ships that are wrecked at the would be like the the bottom yeah. entrance to Azkaban I, s- I see exactly what you're talking about and um I could not I th- for the life of me figure out what that place was I I like the idea of Azkaban but I couldn't think of that before or it could be, oh, you know what? I was going to say it's, the most of it's Dementors. It, it is certainly Azkaban. It does look like shipwrecks on a, on a rock. Um, but like that whole cloud aspect, which I wasn't sure if something was being destroyed, is mm-hmm. probably just a wave of Dementors. Yeah, um, you could be right. Which is actually kind of cool. 
Um, and I, ex- I fully expect we'll see a lot more of the Dementors in, uh, in there. But, yep. um, yeah, yeah, I mean, these, these images are great. Look, the, the, I, we, I will make the joke now um, that I hope there's at least one picture of Ginny um, in the Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated. Uh, okay. Uh, because it was funny. We, we kind of gave it hell, Chamber of Secrets, for not having a picture of Ginny. She's fairly uh, important in book two. Um, I would be very interested to see, and, and if you need a reason to buy it, uh, the Prisoner of Azkaban Illustrated, uh, pick it up. See if uh, see if Ginny makes a, uh, a a cameo here. What is that last illustration? Oh, the last illustration. Yes. I, I think it's when the Sirius Nipus. tries to get into. Well, I don't know. It's a good. I was gonna say when he tries to get into the tower, and because it's it's like a it's like a tapestry of a lion, mm-hmm. and then it's like all scratched out below it. Yeah, that was driving me nuts. I was like, I don't know. People what in our it? it's adorable, chat is what it is. <laughs> may know better, um, but uh, yeah, if if you have any other ideas as to what that is, then definitely let us know. I kind of want to um, also know if that Snape one is based off somebody. It looks like a portrait, like it, it's Jim K. <laughs> oh, may, hey, I would do that if I was I'm, illustrating. So. I'm, j- I'm joking. I don't. I don't know what Jim K looks like. Um, um, yeah, these really do. These books revolutionize the reading of the Harry Potter series. Um, Prisoner of Azkaban being my favorite book of the seven, uh, there is no way that I will not own this illustrated edition. Yeah, it, it's they're definitely becoming collectors' items, and I think these definitely get you excited to want to go and buy the book and um, unique reading experience. I own both the, um, Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets as well. So I would definitely be looking to, to get this book. Uh, it may be a little early though, March for, for an October release, right? I think that's, yeah, a little strange. Um, Um, you know what, you know what it is? Uh, they clearly need to give Jim K a head start on goblet which is twice as long right so they <laughs> can begin doing the like maybe he's completed art for the third book now but they're giving him like a seven month head start to like start working on art for the fourth book and so that they can keep with a consistent release timeline for the illustrated books i'm gonna pretend he's multitasking and doing both honestly <laughs> yeah um well cool you know yeah. wherever inspiration strikes um it's it's crazy to think of just one guy doing all of this art. Yeah, well, he's definitely done a, a great job so far. Um, and um, looking forward to seeing more. I'm sure we'll get other little snippets from this illustrated edition. Um, we did ask the question on Twitter. We read some of the responses earlier uh, to get your thoughts on the initial cover of uh, Prisoner of Azkaban. And uh, Michaela said... Uh, I like the new cover. It's dark and mysterious. However, aesthetically, it doesn't quite match the other covers. Um, hmm. So that's interesting. I mean, but they did point out, uh, as we read earlier on Pottermore, that that it is a shift in tone. Right? The 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 series isn't necessarily, you know, fully moved over to being in that darker space. But 
it, this this is where it starts. And not to say that you know the whole Chamber of Secrets thing wasn't dark, or nor the fact that Quirrell had somebody popping out the back of his head. But mm-hmm. I think from like um, a maturation standpoint, it's starting to shift, um, particularly with you know who we all are meant to believe uh, Sirius Black is. Yeah. Um, you know, actually, I will I will go on record and say I disagree with Michaela uh, because I found a, a pattern uh, between the three covers. Uh, the first illustrated cover is the Hogwarts Express, um, which is a vehicle that Harry takes and takes him to the Wizarding World. Um, the second book is Chamber of Secrets. They're in the flying car going to the burrow. So Harry's riding a vehicle and it takes him somewhere in the Wizarding World he's never been before. And guess what? Prisoner of Azkaban, the night bus. It's a vehicle. Harry gets into it at the beginning of the book, and it takes him to Diagon Alley. So Will I the think fourth there's one a, have the Thestrals? I think the fourth, well, uh, the portkey, maybe. Um, or but that's another the, vehicle. Because he doesn't see the Thestrals in, in Goblet. Yep. Um, doesn't he see him at the end? Or is, No, I'm sorry. That's the beginning of five. The beginning of five. But it is because of Cedric's death. You're right. Um, yeah, so I, I, I think there might be, it might be an intentional connection between uh, vehicles taking Harry in, on his journey. On his journey. Yeah. Right, and actually Lauren Downs agrees with you. She asked, is there a rule that the cover has to have transportation? <laughs> uh, it's a great illustration, but not my favorite scene uh, for a cover. Oh, so I agree with Lauren. Uh, picked up on the transportation vibe. Uh, both KJ and Rhiannon um, said that it reminds them of a Goosebumps book cover. Yes. Oh, I don't really. I, love them I don't that. see that. Oh, it's. I think it's the green font. Like, if if you could imagine that it wasn't the Harry Potter font, but like the dripping blood of goosebumps, you could totally see how it, it would look. You know, what? I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna find that when this book comes out. <laughs> You're I'm gonna, gonna get do a side image. by side. Yeah, I'm gonna do a side by side and do like a goosebumps thing. It'll be All a lot right. of fun. Uh, a few more here. Jolene Wilson. I like seeing the night bus on the cover for a change. The colors are fun too. Uh, Rebecca at Nerd Amore. Uh, I love it. It's dark yet whimsical. Super fun. Uh, Roxanne loves the illustration. It's my favorite cover so far of these. But the green lettering clashes. I think the UK one looks better. Um, so Bloomsbury also released um, their cover. And the coloring of the lettering is different, and it's mm. actually more legible than the one that Scholastic released. Ooh. Shots fired. Yep. Um, uh, Maureen, Ernie threw me off for a sec, but it's beautiful. So going <laughs> back to uh, is Ernie Santa, is Ernie Dumbledore? Who knows? <laughs> Who is Ernie Prang? Uh, at Magarid. I'm uh, probably Mary, butchering that. Maryad. Anybody? Maryad. Okay. I'm going to say I'm go with you. Uh, dark but still colorful. Perfect summary on my favorite Harry Potter book. Um, Nick, going off of uh, Eric, what you said earlier, uh, should have worked in a pair of dog eyes somewhere in the trees, but overall well done. Oh, like Dobby. Man, like Dobby. Opportunities. Yeah. Um, Still, I like that there's uh, sort of a shadow tra- or a um, dirt dust trail uh, in the lower left-hand side, which makes you think a dog could have been standing there just a moment before. Mm-hmm. Um, or uh, it's actually ki- probably just dust kicked up by the bus. Sorry. 
Nope, you're good. Uh, Caitlin Foster, love the blue and purple colors. It has a very magical feel that will definitely draw new younger readers. Uh, so Caitlin's looking out for uh, the next generation. Mm. Uh, Hannah says, I honestly think the original one is better. So a little bit of a, a differing opinion going back to uh, Mary Grand Prix. Oh, um, yeah, with the hippogriff. And I and I, there's no way, again, that... Um, that that scene will not be captured by Jim K. I'm I I felt confident enough to say Ginny Weasley would be in Chamber of Secrets and look where we got. But I think it makes sense that there be a couple illustrations of Buckbeak in this one. So I, I can't wait to see what Jim K. does with those. Yep. And uh, finally, Ellie Arnott uh, agreeing with what Roxanne said earlier. Um, the Bloomsbury cover is better, particularly because of the text. It captures the darkness and mystery of the book really well. Hmm. so um that's uh it for our main discussion um definitely uh for those of you listening if you have thoughts on the illustrated edition of prisoner of azkaban on the cover on any of uh what we've learned from what's been put up on pottermore uh definitely feel free to um, tweet at us uh at mugglecast uh and uh we'll be sure to uh incorporated on uh, future shows absolutely andrew here again to tell you about a second sponsor we have for march mac weldon they are a daily wear clothing company for men that prides themselves on creating very comfortable clothing i actually did some shopping on mac weldon's website recently and i got myself some sweatpants a couple t-shirts a pair of socks and i can attest to the comfort and quality the sweatpants i am not kidding i've been wearing them every day (laughs) they are so darn comfortable especially this time of year with the cooler temperatures and what's nice about the sweatpants in particular is that they're styled so they're actually acceptable to wear outside so i walk i wear them while walking the dog going to starbucks running some errands they really mac weldon creates some really great clothing and the shirts are just delightful they're sharp they're simple and they're very very comfortable but i can't get over just how fine they look I've really not only been wearing the sweatpants all week, but the shirts too. They are so comfortable. I'm wearing them right now while while talk, telling you about them. They're just my go-to when I get up in the morning. I want you to try them, and we're going to give you a great deal. Go to MacWeldon.com and get 20% off using promo code MUGGLE. And by the way, the more you spend, the more you'll save. Check out the offers on the website. MacWeldon.com, save 20%. Just use the code MUGGLE. And enjoy. I really think you're going to love the clothing they're selling. All right, back to Micah and Eric. So we're at the point now where I mentioned uh, earlier on, you know, uh, every episode we talk about the P.O. Box a little bit, um, and we talk about our Twitter, um, but I've found that we don't often mention our email address, which is our, our longstanding. We've had it from the start. It's over 12 years old. Uh, and all it is, if you want to contact us via email, we'll say it right here on the show for you now. Mugglecast at gmail.com. There. There it is. There it was. You said it. I said so, it. So, uh, yeah. If um, you have feedback on anything that we talked about, not just the illustrated edition, or you mm-hmm. want to just, as Eric said, uh, get in touch with the show, uh, you can email us to his point. You can also tweet at us at Mugglecast. And visit facebook.com slash mugglecast as well. Um, we will be launching a, uh, a voicemail line 
for the public in the not too distant <sighs> future. I think we should coincide it with the launch of our weekly episodes. How about that? I uh, think that's a good challenge. Yeah, you know I what like it is. We need we need to secure another good number because in the past it was one two one eight twenty magic, um, and so I mean at least that had like a Potter feel to it. Yeah, so we need to magic. go and and work this out with the powers that be. Um, well, who and, has uh, two one eight twenty magic now? We'll just need to call that number and harass somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, we're recruiting you to harass whoever has that number into giving it up. Um, just kidding, just kidding. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Yeah, please don't. Um, uh, well, maybe. Uh, Go for it. No, don't. You do know that. what, listeners? Please you know, just just start. Just we, call. Them. We can get a number. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, uh, my phone rings in the background, and it's secretly been me all this time. It's still tied to you. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. I think we'll get a number that that uh, we know will be free. Will be uh, eight six seven five three zero nine. No. Um, People will be leaving us voicemails for a whole lot of different reasons. All right. Well, more to come on on the voicemail line. Uh, as mentioned at you know the the top of the show, we have reached um, the milestone where we will be going weekly. So look forward to doing that um, at the beginning of April. And thank you once again to all of our patrons uh, who support the show uh, over on patreoncom slash Um You know if you. You're interested in supporting the show? Definitely encourage you to go over there, check out all of the different um, levels, uh, and we can't say thank you enough um, for your support of MuggleCast. Very um, proud of you guys. Yeah, this is it's it, this is going to be great. Um, the new era of Harry Potter podcasting is coming out very soon. Yep, Eric, you mentioned the PO box. Anything you wanted to? Um, add in before we wrap up the show uh yes actually this may be uh the opportunity so earlier i didn't discuss uh what my earliest harry potter memory was uh the reason is um i've actually done that probably 10 times before on this show uh so i'll have to find it and tell people where it is i won't repeat myself but i had an experience that was very much like early hp that i want to share with you guys real quick um, which was a couple episodes ago, I had complained that nobody had emailed or nobody had mailed the, the P.O. box. Um, and as I mentioned last week, uh, tons of people answered the call, and it was amazing. And a, a post on the main MuggleCast site is still forthcoming. I have to scan literally everything that everyone sent in, and it was like over a dozen items, and it's amazing. We got a scarf. We got uh, an apron for Andrew, got a Slytherin apron to wear in the kitchen. Uh, people were just, your outpouring of support has been utterly shocking and amazing. And, and I, I have to say, you don't need to send us stuff to get on our good side. You're listening to this podcast. You're already on our good side. Um, but it's just been amazing, uh, the response that I've gotten. And so, one thing I didn't mention yet is uh, there are a pair of authors uh, named Lynn Bowie and Peter Ernest. And uh, they are actually authors of a book called Harry Potter and the Art of Spying. Um, we interviewed these guys over on another MuggleNet podcast, Alohomora, uh, a couple years ago. And basically their book is about the real art of spycraft and how uh, sort of the different things like decoy detonators and like all the government you know, spying on wizards and, and witches. Well, and, this and is timely. It, <laughs> it, it's, everything going on. It's really in the real world. You're right. You're right, Micah. You're not 
you're not not right. Um, but they've they've re-released their book. Uh, so it's Harry Potter and the Art of Spying. Uh, they've re-released their book a, with a young agent edition. So this is now something that you can, if you have a, a fourth grader uh, who's having a birthday party or his cousin's attending, you got to put this in his bag uh, because it's going to be amazing. It's going to blow him away. The young agent edition has like it's just a like puzzle. It's like a puzzle book. Like in addition to the content that's like distilled down, but it's like in the original Harry Potter and the Art of Spying. And the reason it's coming up now and with this story is when I freaked out and, and said, nobody's message, no, I have nothing in the P.O. box, oh, help. Lynn Bowie decided then and there that he was going to create a truly unique Harry Potter experience for me. He sent me his book, but he sent me his book in 50 parts. In little envelopes individually labeled to me at the, and to MuggleCast at the P.O. Box. And <laughs> I have the experience of not on one occasion, but on several, going to the P.O. Box, opening up the mail slot, and all of these envelopes are literally falling out. The proprietor of this UPS store, who knows me by name, said, what's the deal with all of those letters? He hates and you, doesn't he? It's, he can't stand me. Yeah, I, we're going to be kicked out of the P.O. Box. <laughs> uh, we're not going to have to change the address. In a, in a in an episode or two, if I give you a different address, uh, you'll know why. Um, because we received this book entirely by in pieces, in fifty pieces, uh, which is which is just which is just amazing. And I, I of course have, have contacted Lynn and and Peter and, and said my thank you. Uh, but it was truly a Harry Potter experience, really reminiscent of of the first time uh, you know reading Harry Potter that somebody's trying to contact him, he doesn't know, and all of the letters coming down the chimney. This is what it felt like. So I have to thank Lynn Bowie and Peter Ernest, uh, authors of Harry Potter and the Art of Spying, for for for, for doing that. No, it's uh, it's definitely very nice of them to, uh, to fill up the P.O. box, and uh, hopefully they don't get you kicked out of the post office. <laughs> yeah, I hope not too, but... Um, just in case there's that, uh, here's that address uh, again uh, while it while it lasts. Four zero four four North Lincoln Avenue, number one four four, Chicago IL six zero six one eight, and that's and, and you can address it to MuggleCast, um, and then it'll get to me. All right. Um, well, I think that uh, wraps it up for this episode. Uh, thank you both um, for uh, for joining me here. I know we're going to be excited to have Andrew mm-hmm. back with us on the next episode. So um, with that said, um, that's a wrap. Goodbye, everybody. Now let's let's all practice our uh, pronunciations of Corriptixic. <laughs> no, let's not. <laughs> all right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time on episode 313. Ooh, number 13. Ooh, bye.